Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the Conservative Party suspends its leadership race. The decision seems to be the one that mostly everybody but Peter McKay was calling for. I think there are still going to be a lot of party members and a lot of people with a lot of questions. After strong opposition from Canada, the U.S. backs down on a plan to put troops on the border. Canada is strongly opposed to this U.S. proposal. And we have made that opposition very, very clear to our American counterparts, and we will continue to do so. What will Canada do if Donald Trump follows through on a plan to get back to business as usual in just a few weeks? We will continue to work with uh, the American administration to ensure that we're doing everything we can to keep uh, our country safe and to keep Canadians safe in our case. Uh, we will continue to adjust as things uh, unfold as necessary, uh, but we will be continuing to fall, follow the best advice of the scientific community on doing what is necessary to keep Canadians safe as a priority. It's Friday, March 27th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by HuffPost Canada's Ottawa Bureau Chief and the host of the follow-up podcast, Althea Raj. Good morning, Althea. Good morning, Mark. So the Conservatives have suspended their leadership race. They've postponed indefinitely the date of the vote, which was going to be June 27th. This comes after a lot of back and forth between various leadership candidates. The frontrunner, Peter McKay, uh, didn't want to see it delayed. Uh, if anything, he wanted the vote to happen sooner. He was saying uh, democracy can't wait and that this is a time when we need strong leadership. Uh, the other candidates, though, were saying it's not appropriate to continue with the leadership race with everything that's going on. Uh, it seemed that at a certain point, though, that this decision was inevitable because so much is being cancelled at this time, right? I mean, uh, Heron O'Toole, who's another challenger in this contest, uh, sent out a meme earlier this week noting everything that was closed. You know, if the, if the Olympics can postpone while the Conservative Party, seemingly the only organization uh, in the world, was his allegation basically that um, has not taken this decision and seems to be operating in a vacuum. Um, it's, it's a very curious decision, everything that happened. You know, as you know, uh, on Wednesday, March 25th, was the deadline for candidates to hand over $300,000 and 3,000 signatures, or what was left of uh, that money and those signatures if they had um, submitted, you know, 2,500, let's say. Um, and a few candidates did not make that threshold. Um, Marilyn Gladue, for example, the MP for Sarnia, did not meet that threshold, and so is off the final ballot, Rudy Husney, who had suspended his campaign and had been one of the first people to urge, as had Marilyn, one of the first people to urge the party to say, hey, this is not sensitive to what people are going through. We really should be suspending this or postponing it, pushing the date back. It's not appropriate to be knocking on people's doors, one, because you're supposed to be home, and two, we shouldn't be asking people for money, like, come donate to my campaign. Um, and the party did not even respond to, or LEOC in this case, the Leadership Election Organizing Committee, did not respond to his plea. Instead of making a decision that would have allowed these individuals to stay in the contest, the party, uh, LEOC, allowed them to basically allow that first deadline to pass. And now we have only four people on the final ballot. And Thursday evening, I mean, the timing is just so bizarre. 
Scott Lamb sent a message to all party members, this is um, the party president, saying, basically, I know there's been a lot of people calling, and LIOC is made up of volunteers, and we've expressed, not not saying what the party's view was to LIOC, but saying we've expressed um, our opinion to LIOC, and uh, the party is going to, and LIOC is going to make the, the right decision. Um and then, so that was around in the evening, around 5, 6 o'clock. So n- no decision to communicate to the members. And then around 11 o'clock on Thursday night, the party sent out a tweet saying that LIOC had met and that the leadership race was going to be postponed. So um, while uh, the decision seems to be the one that mostly everybody but Peter McKay was calling for, right. I think there are still going to be a lot of party members and a lot of people with a lot of questions to Leoc about why this decision basically came so late in the process and prevented other people from basically putting their name on their ballot. I mean, they lost two weeks, and two weeks is a long time in a leadership race. It's yeah. a very tight deadline. All right, let's turn to the back and forth between Canada and the United States over whether U.S. troops would be placed on the Canadian border. Donald Trump was talking about it last night, but we learned later in a Wall Street Journal report that that is not going to happen, apparently. And the reason it's not going to happen is because of pushback from the Canadian government. Christia Freeland, the deputy prime minister, was speaking about it yesterday as well. So it doesn't seem like it's going to happen uh, after the Canadian government said it strongly uh, opposed that proposal. Yes, and I think maybe it was almost a mixed blessing that uh, what the Americans had planned uh, leaked out. Um, it's not clear if it uh, purposely leaked out from our side, if it was a leak from the other side. I don't know that, but um, I know there was definitely a sense uh, that uh, the Prime Minister's office was not unpleased to be able to be asked about it. So but what basically happened um, is yesterday, the Global was the, thir- the television station, the, was the first to report that U.S. officials had proposed stationing troops 30 kilometers from the border, the northern border, or their northern border, our southern border, um, with uh, sensors installed to track irregular border crossers. Christia Freeland, the deputy prime minister, said that basically uh, what had been communicated to them a few days ago was that this was in response to possibly um, illegal, irregular asylum crossers crossing between points of entries who would have COVID-19. Um, when the president was asked about uh, the Justin Trudeau's response, uh, a, a reporter said, you know, what do you have to say about Trudeau's complaint that you guys are fit, you guys will want to do this? The president didn't seem to understand um, what that was at all about. In fact, he even said, I'll find out about it. And then he basically suggested that there are already troops at the border and that the troops are there because... There's a lot of things coming in from Canada, a lot of illegal trade, like dumping of steel, and that this might be related, the border crossers between the official ports of entry might be there to um, guard against the dumping of illegal steel. Right. So, um, interesting idea. Obviously, I think shows president had no idea what was being asked of him. Um, and so it's not all too surprising. And I think that once the um, Canadian government says 
we're absolutely opposed to this. We think it would be damaging to our relationship. Um, the White House decided to reverse course. Basically, this was being discussed in the context of sending more soldiers to the Mexico border. Right. And I think maybe somebody just had an idea of like, well, if we're doing it in the southern border, maybe we should do it in the northern border. Yeah. But anyway. Now, meanwhile, of course, there's the whole dynamic around what's happening in the United States versus what's happening in Canada and and what the Canadian government will do, for example, if the um, the American administration starts to relax its rules around social distancing long before Canada does. There's uh, there's a disconnect there, obviously, in what Donald Trump is saying and what Justin Trudeau is saying. Uh, how will the Canadian government play that? What decisions will it have to make if that is en- is what ends up happening? Yeah, the Prime Minister's been asked a version of that question two days two days now, and his answer has basically been, our priority in Canada is to ensure people are alive and healthy, and that's uh, what our priority is. And the second thing is the government is going to listen to science. Um, and there's a, a lot of concerns about the fact that the U.S. is basically becoming the center of this pandemic, um, that um, really, sadly and disturbingly, so many people are likely to die and so many people will be contagious, including pro- possibly some of those drivers who are bringing, you know, medically uh, necessary equipment, food supply. And so a lot of questions have revolved around what would the King government do at the border to ensure there's less community transmission. And the government has not spelled out anything yet, but they have said that more measures uh would be announced if they are necessary. All right, finally, uh, let's talk a little bit about what happens when somebody breaks the new uh, restrictions, uh, the mandatory quarantine for Canadians who are returning from abroad, uh, because there there seems to be some some confusion over over how that's going to get reported and and um, what the process is if if somebody does actually break the rules, right? Yes. One thing I I think has emerged out of this week and all the kind of policy reversals from the federal government is that everything is changing at incredibly rapid speed. Yeah. Wednesday, um, when the Liberal cabinet ministers announced the plan, they seemed to even not know that their plan was already in effect. The Quarantine Act actually came into effect that morning because they kept saying the rules were going to come into effect later that night. They got confused between you know 11 midnight being zero right. zero that morning rather than that night and the same thing with the quarantine act um reporters asked uh teresa tam the chief public health officer on thursday you know what would you recommend people do if they feel their neighbors and their friends or whomever is not respecting the quarantine act we've seen you know hundreds of pictures on social media, including people with RVs coming in from across the border, stopping and shopping in Belleville, for example, or going to do the groceries and then come back from the airport. Uh, What should Canadians do? Because so far people have been calling the police. And she said that if people are concerned, they should call their their local public health agencies. I asked Dr. David Williams, who's the chief medical officer in Ontario, about that suggestion. And he said, well, you know, we just met with the federal government and they didn't really talk about that. And uh, we haven't decided what we think about that. But our local agencies are overwhelmed and I would not be recommending that. Um, So there is things are moving incredibly rapidly. And sometimes I think people may be saying things that uh, they should wait before saying. 
And um, I don't think you should call your public health if you're listening to this. I don't think you should call your local public health agency. You probably should call a bylaw officer or the police because those people are already swamped trying yeah. to do tracing. Um, but <laughs> exactly. maybe yeah. uh, Dr. Tam will have a new instruction for us this morning. Um, so, yeah, things are moving very rapidly. Very Sometimes quickly. things are being yeah. announced that are not already in effect, like yeah. the changes at the airport, for example, another great example. Um, but uh, I think it's a reflection. I think people are moving. They're trying to move as quickly as possible. Of course. And things are not perfect. All right. Yeah. Althea, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us today. Have a great day. Thanks very much. You too, Mark. Stay safe. That's Althea Raj, HuffPost Canada's Ottawa Bureau Chief. Canada and the United States have the longest unmilitarized border in the world, uh, and it is very much in both of our interests for it to remain that way. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. At ctvnews.ca, Don Martin considers the divides caused by the coronavirus pandemic. Martin writes... The most dramatic and potentially deadly divide is Canada's clampdown versus a sentiment in the U.S. to save the economy over lives. If Donald Trump enacts his Easter economic resurrection, it may leave Canada waiting for the all-clear on containment from an America where the virus runs free in a population accepting vulnerable deaths as collateral damage for the greater good of a collective paycheck. At cbc.ca, Joseph Harvey and David Wu argue against letting the coronavirus infect the rule of law. They write, Scuffles have broken out in grocery stores, while gun and ammunition sales are rising significantly. Desperate people sometimes take desperate measures. If the pandemic worsens and poses an even greater threat, we can expect government measures to infringe on our civil liberties to deal with unrest. What we hope is not in the cards is a government invoking the notwithstanding clause in Section 33 of the Charter, putting no restrictions on those that decide to enact laws that abolish our legal rights and fundamental freedoms. In McLean's, Andrew McDougall asks why Peter McKay is plowing ahead with his Conservative leadership bid as the world is shutting down to fight the coronavirus. McDougall writes, McKay is literally the only Canadian pretending the virus isn't upending absolutely everything, tweeting this week that the leadership race cannot be delayed. Entire countries are on lockdown, and we're meant to believe the Conservative Party leadership is the one thing this world cannot do without? Right now, Canadians are concerned about making it through a global pandemic. But they will remember the people who tried to continue on as if nothing happened. In the Globe and Mail, Robin Urbach asks, On what planet is continuing the Conservative leadership race a good idea? Urbach writes, The world that existed when the Conservative leadership race first kicked off isn't around anymore. Yet the party is carrying on its leadership race as if COVID-19 hasn't turned everyone's lives upside down. It's a remarkably tone-deaf course of action for a party that forever tries to portray itself as on side with the average Joe. If the leadership committee would take a moment to breathe the air outside the conservative bubble, it might realize how trivial and idiotic this all seems. Now here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will start the day with private meetings and then will chair the Cabinet meeting. He will then hold his daily news conference to provide an update on the coronavirus situation. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, March the 27th. Tune in to CPAC today and throughout the weekend for continuing coverage of the coronavirus situation plus Primetime Politics Weekend. Our podcast returns Monday morning. Have a great weekend.